Wonderful. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word together. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can draw from you as we listen to your word and learn from your word. Your word is life. Your word carries power. When our hearts are open and we yield our hearts, your word, like seed, can grow inside of us to produce life and growth and fruitfulness. But Holy Spirit, we recognize you are the great teacher. Holy Spirit, will you take simple words today and bring about transformation in our lives. Use this message this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my privilege to continue. We're nearing the end of our journey. There it is called Deeper. So for those of you who are new to the church, we speak about uh, preaching journeys, not series, because a journey means hopefully you go from somewhere and you get to somewhere. And this journey is about going deeper in your trust of the Holy Spirit. We have been given the most incredible gift as part of our salvation. Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of God himself coming to live inside of us. Not just resting on us, but dwelling, living inside of us. We get to live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's the most amazing mystery made possible. He's the Holy Spirit. And let's be honest, you're not that holy. I'm not that holy. But I am in my Father's eyes. Because He sees me through the blood of Jesus. And it's the blood of Jesus that makes me holy. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are cleansed from your unholiness, your unrighteousness. And in the Father's eyes, He can now see you as holy, in covenant with His Son, which means He can give you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And now we get to go on this most incredible adventure. We get to live like ordinary human beings, but there's nothing ordinary about us because we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we get to go into factories, into schools, into family. We get to go wherever God sends us, but not as normal people, but as people filled with the Holy Spirit. The degree to which the Holy Spirit can influence your life, empower you, strengthen you, is based on how much you are willing to trust Him. That's what this journey is all about. Are you willing to let go of more of your control, more of your, I do it my way, and say, Holy Spirit, I want to yield myself to you. There's one little throne in our hearts, and there's only room for one person on it. Either it's you, or it's going to be King Jesus. And when Jesus is Lord, His Holy Spirit is able to lead us. So that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And uh, before I go into what I want to focus on today, I want to remind you the dream. What would it look like? Three things to remind you. What would it look like if we surrendered more of our hearts, more control, saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me? Number one, it's going to mean more boldness in your life. Now, you might be that kind of kind of person, or you might be quite timid. The good news is that when you are full of the Holy Spirit, one of the biggest changes that will happen in your life is a supernatural level of courage. To do what God calls you to do, it's like there's a speed bump, and we know about speed bumps. It's like there's a speed bump in front of every one of us. To do what God's called us to do, we've got to get over the speed bump of fear. To step into that ministry, start a conversation with someone about Jesus. To be able to use your spiritual gift. Everything God calls us to do, there's a little speed bump of fear. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit gives people supernatural 
courage. Let me read some examples. Acts 2 verse 14. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon the early church. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. This is the Peter who a few weeks earlier had said, I'm going to use a, a gentler word, flip. I promise I don't know Jesus. Never heard of him in my life. I don't know who that is. That's the Peter. Completely disowned Jesus. He called down curses saying, I've never met the guy. A few weeks later, he's standing up in front of the people who put Jesus to death, saying, right, everyone, listen to me. This Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. See the difference? That's the Holy Spirit at work in his life. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It was evident. People realized something's different. There's a courage. There's a boldness. And we know these are just ordinary fishermen. These are ordinary Richard's buy-ins. And yet, full of the Holy Spirit, there can be a courage and boldness to do what God's called us to do. Acts 4 verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, boldness comes out of them. Imagine your life. That's what we're talking about here. Do you have faith to say, Holy Spirit, would you come and give me supernatural courage? I don't want to live a safe life. I don't want to live a conservative life. I want to live a radical for Jesus life. I don't want to always let fear control my every decision. I want to do what you're calling me to do. Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness. Second one is, is spiritful power. In Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, Peter looked straight at him. This is a lame man. He's walked to the temple every day of his life to go to a prayer meeting. And on this particular day, as he's walking to the prayer meeting, he sees the same lame man, and it's as if the Holy Spirit just gives him this nudge. It's time, Peter. And Peter looks at him as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's the same Peter. Now, full of the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit came power, and he felt a nudge. He felt the Holy Spirit saying, today's the day, Peter, and he stepped out in faith. Ananias and Sapphira, if you know your Bible, they came to church. They were lying to the Holy Spirit, pretending, you know, that uh, your lips are close to me, but your heart is far from me. This is Ananias and Sapphira, pretending to be super spiritual. And then Peter says to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Because they pledged that money to the Lord. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Have you ever been to a church service? I, I haven't. I've seen people fall down before, but fortunately they got up again. And it's his fear gripped the church. See, there was a level of power that came with fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine your life right now more full of the power of God. Those spiritual gifts that you feel inside, prophetic gifts, gifts of healing, teaching, encouragement, when God would increase the level of power on those gifts that we would see His kingdom come. What about, here's one more example. A life full of the Holy Spirit would be a lifestyle where, where the Holy Spirit has more influence on your life than Google Maps. 
I mean, I'm, I've traveled to a lot of different places and I'm going sometimes. So I'm, I'm often using Google Maps. But Paul, the apostle, didn't have Google Maps. He had the Holy Spirit to direct him. It says in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, Paul and his companions, they traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Traos. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that amazing? Holy Spirit says, no, 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 not this way. Okay, well, let's go here. No, 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 not this way. Vision in the night. Come, ah, that's the direction. This is not just to do churchy stuff. This is to do life. Holy Spirit, would you direct me? In my business, should I be pursuing this or that? Holy Spirit, should we close this business, open that? Holy Spirit, we need a new marketing campaign. Do we try this or that? Holy Spirit, how do I get through to my kids? Holy Spirit, what should I do in terms of this broken relationship? It's this level of Holy Spirit direction in our lives. Not Google Maps, Holy Spirit led. I suppose I say all of that, church. I want us to be hungry for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not playing church. Not coming to church once a Sunday, I mean once a week, but living out a spirit-filled, deeper life. This is God's plan for our lives. So, let me dive in. I've got 15 minutes, maybe 20. I'll push it. I'll talk faster. I was, uh, as I said, with a group of pastors up in, uh, in Mozambique for the last couple of days, and, and I like to pick their brains. They can help me with my sermon prep. And so I said, uh, pastors, I'm being, we've been doing this journey called Deeper how would you encourage, what would you say to someone who wanted to be more full of the Holy Spirit? Barry Robinson, a lovely guy. Many of you know him. He leads the church down in Mandini. He's a, he's a wonderful old man. I, I love him too. He's full of energy. He said, well, obviously, Brent, the biggest thing is prayer. I said, yeah, obviously. And then I came and started my notes. <laughs> because I suddenly realized, are we praying, asking God with that burning fire inside of us, Father, we need to be more full of your spirit. We can talk about different things. We've spoken about grieving the spirit or growing in the spirit. We've spoken about the nudges. But I'm asking you, church, have we been earnestly seeking Father, saying, Father, would you give me a greater measure of your spirit in my life? And so with that in mind, I want to, uh, I've been meditating on this text for the, the, this week, and, and it's impacted me, and I want to share some of that with you today. Luke chapter 11 Verses 1 to 13, this is our main text for the day. You can follow along on the screen. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, many of you should recognize that. Certainly when I grew up at school, those were the days, even in government schools, when you listened to the Bible and you prayed the Lord's Prayer every Friday or whenever it was. But then Jesus carried on in verse number five. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, 
even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Don't you love those two words? Shameless audacity. That means a kind of perseverance, a kind of like a bulldog, you know, when he's got his toy and he's not going to let that go for nothing. He is holding on. Your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse number nine, so I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amazing passage, isn't it? Sure. I heard of a a sports coach who took over a team that were not doing very well in one of the leagues, can't even remember what sport, But his strategy was simply this. We're not going to try and do everything different. All we're going to try and do is get 1% better in every area. If we could just 1% every area overall, that'll stop making a big difference. Now, the topic of prayer is a huge topic, and I'm not going to try and cover all of it. But rather, looking at this passage today, I felt there were were five little areas which if we could get 1% better in each of these five, I believe our prayer for a greater filling of the Holy Spirit will become more effective. So here's number one. As we pray for more of the Holy Spirit, start by praying for a greater alignment of our purpose with God's purpose. Aligning our lives with His purpose. It said uh, in Luke 11 uh, 11 verse 2, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now this is quite an important thing because Let me say this as gently as possible. God is not going to bless your plans. God blesses His plans when we choose to walk in His plans. Does that make sense? And so the question is, if you want to live a deeper life full of the Holy Spirit, instead of trying to go against what God's going to do and trusting He'll bless it, He won't. Rather, let's surrender our hearts and say, Lord, what are you doing? And how do I give myself to that? Dudley Daniel, who started the New Covenant Ministries, in, uh, apostolic team. He always taught us, he said, if you want your life to count, find out what God is doing in your generation and give yourself to that. So much of our praying is often, Lord, bless my plans, bless my plans, and then we wonder why we don't see fruit of that. Better prayers, Lord, what is your plan? Remember Jesus, as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he kept on praying, Lord, take this. If you can change this, I don't want to, but not my will, your will be done. We want more of the Holy Spirit, then we should give ourselves more to what the Holy Spirit is doing and not expect Him to bless what we are doing. I kind of was reminded, some of you have heard me tell this story, but it's one of my favorites. So um, a whole bunch of years ago, maybe 10 years ago or something, I was uh, invited to go sailing down at the yacht club. Me, I don't sail. And uh, my good friend Terence Blum, some of you will remember him. He knows how to sail, so he says. So anyway, here I go. Let me go sailing with him. I jump on the front. Mom, the skivvy, whatever. So I've just got to sit at the front of the boat in that little flappy small sail in front. I've just got to keep that one tight. He's the captain of the boat. He's at the back. He's got the rudder. He's got the main sail. And off we go. 
from the yacht club. There we go, heading towards the shipping lane. And he's like, it's tight to the wind. You feel the power. The boat is like, you, you just feel the strength of the boat. The sails are tight. We're gaining speed. But after a while, I'm, I'm noticing the the mainsail is starting to flap a little bit. We're losing speed. I'm like, Terence, I thought you were this great sailing captain. So I look around to encourage him. Gone. <laughs> Do a double take. And there I see an orange life jacket with a head above it bobbing 100 meters down the line. And I'm heading for the shipping lane holding this little sail. By the grace of God, we managed to gracefully crash land the ship, I mean the boat, into a sandbank and live to tell the tale. But the point is this. You know, when we allow the Holy Spirit to captain the boat, He can keep us close to the wind. When we allow the Holy Spirit to direct and lead our lives, Holy Spirit, you be the captain. But I wonder how many times we don't kind of man overboard. Sorry, Holy Spirit, I'm doing it my way. And then we wonder why our lives are flapping and aimless and drifting. Holy Spirit, come and lead our lives. Not my will, your will be done. Make that the focus of our prayers. Not God, please bless my plans, but how can I align myself with your plans and see how much deeper a life we begin to live? Number two, Jesus said some strong words. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive everyone who sins against us. In the version uh, on Matthew's gospel, then Jesus carries on and he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I remember watching a a YouTube clip not so long ago about uh, in America somewhere there was this huge dam, but because of droughts and things, they hadn't opened the sluice gates for about 10 years. But now because of heavy rains, they had to open the sluice gates. First time, 10 years. They opened up the sluice gates and well, nothing came out at first. And then you see this, this massive kind of sausage of mud sort of getting slowly squeezed out of the sluice gate. And as it got squeezed out, it got pushed out more and more, and after the, the, the thick mud came the slush, and out of, after the slush came this brown, gunky water, and eventually the water just burst out. And then you could see this huge fountain of water spraying out. And I just wondered sometimes, we, we're saying, Lord, take me deeper, take me deeper, but the sluice gates are bunged up with gunk. And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's the stubborn, rebellious, unrepentant issues in our lives. We know it's wrong. We know God's convicting us. We know God's pushing the button, but we just keep the gunk. And we wonder why I'm not experiencing more than the life and power of the Holy Spirit. Or we're holding on to bitterness. One of the cancer to the human heart is when we hold unforgiveness and bitterness. Now the danger is we think it's justified because I have a reason to hold this against someone. All you're doing is sludging up and gunkifying the sluice gates through which the Holy Spirit wants to flow. Because if grace can't flow out of you, it's going to stop flowing into you. I spoke to a lady recently whose husband had committed adultery. And and she'd obviously found his phone and found these messages. and, And she was broken. She was devastated. But that was a whole number of years ago. And since then, he, he radically repented, confessed his sin, broke it off. And now, all these years later, her face 
is still bitter and angry as she told me she's now leaving him. And because she says, all I can still see are those messages in front of me. And in loving kindness, I'm not trying to justify his sin. His sin is shocking. That's adultery. But you now say, but lady, do you understand now your sin is just as bad? For all of these years, you're expecting God to forgive your sin while you hold on to your husband's sin. We just gunk up those sluice gates and then wonder why there's no life and power of the Spirit. My friends, if you're holding on, however you justify it, whatever was done to you, and I'm not trying to make light of your suffering, but it's not worth it. God has forgiven you and now expects you to be able to forgive others by the power of the Holy Spirit. I heard a testimony just the other day of a lady came forward for healing, not in our church, a friend of mine, I was hearing this testimony, and, and the lady came up with arthritis all over her body, I don't, I don't know if it was just her hands or whole body, and, and as the person prayed for her, they just, they felt the Holy Spirit nudge, so he, so he asked the question, are you sure there's no unforgiveness in your life? And this woman began to weep as she confessed, yep, she's been holding this bitterness for years. As she released and confessed her sin of bitterness, as she released that, guess what? instantly healed in Jesus' name. Let the sluice gates open and let the Holy Spirit flow. As you pray for a greater filling of the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to unblock the sluice gates. Be ready to confess your sin. Be willing to forgive others their sin. Number three, as we pray, that shameless, what was it? The shameless audacity. Such a beautiful concept. Shameless audacity means you unwilling It's not just unwilling to take no for an answer, but rather you're unwilling to not have an answer, if that makes sense. There will be times when as you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, God says no. When Jesus was praying, he was praying, God, if there's any way that we can do this plan without me dying on the cross, but not my will, your will be done. And for three hours, it seemed, Jesus was agonizing in prayer, and the Father said, no. Jesus, you have to go to the cross. But when that answer came, it came with faith and it came with courage. And and just after that, Jesus got up, said to his disciples, my accusers here, let me go. He was ready. At that point, he would have said, no chance, I'm going to the cross. It's like Paul. Paul had this thorn in his side. We don't know what it is, but it said on three occasions, he prayed, take this thorn away from me. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So that's okay. Sometimes God will say no, but even when he says no, he gives you grace to walk through it. Shameless audacity is when we don't want no answer to the prayer. Lord, either say yes or say no, but just not nothingness in between. So I'm like, Lord, why? Why this weird parable? I'm not going to do this because you're my friend, but I'll do it because I'm sick of you knocking on the door. What are you trying to teach us? Well, here's what God is going to teach us. It takes a lot of faith to continue pressing on when you're getting no answer. And most Christians, after two prayers, well, obviously it's not God's will, otherwise he would have done something, and so let's move on. You didn't have the faith. You see, what happens is actually to keep on praying when you haven't had an answer is is God's way of building the faith inside of you. Either you're going to just walk away from it, in which case you never had the faith, Or you're going to keep on digging deeper and saying, no way, Holy Spirit, I believe this is your will, and so I've got to keep on going and going until I see your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember there was a famous story about Elijah. 
Remember that? He, he was praying for rain. And let me just give you an extract. In uh, 1 Kings 18, Elijah said to Ahab, who was the king, go eat and drink for there's the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. Nothing there, the servant said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. I mean, can you imagine? That's easy to read. That's one little line. But he's been praying, God send rain, God send rain. Do you see anything? Nothing. Go back. Did you see anything? Nothing. Go back. Did you see anything? Nothing. Go back. Did you see? Nothing. Go back. I mean, seven times. I would have luck. It's probably not. But you know what the difference was? Elijah knew it was God's will. Because before this story, let's back up from chapter 18 and go right to the beginning of the chapter. 1 Kings 18 verse 1 and 2. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. I call that the cheat code of prayer. If you want a cheat code towards effective prayer, spend more time trying to find God, what is your will? Elijah knew it. God had said to him, go to Ahab and I will make it rain. So he went to Ahab and now he's praying, rain, no rain, rain. And he would persevere because he knew God had spoken. What has God spoken to you? Let me get vulnerable for a moment. Ah. I felt that God has, has put inside of me a passion and a faith. I believe God has called me to pray for people with blinded eyes, with problems with their eyes, because I'm trusting for healing. He's called me to teach his word, in which case I want spiritual eyes to be open. But I've got faith inside of me that God, on a few occasions, has highlighted this area of blinded eyes seeing. So when I was in, in Pakistan a couple of weeks ago, some of you will remember I was there, I started preaching in this church, and there, just fourth row or something, this beautiful young Pakistan girl, her one eye is completely, you just can see it from a distance, it's like a scale over her eye. So the whole time I'm trying to preach, but actually I'm looking at her thinking, surely Lord, today is the day. At the end of the message, called her to the front and, and laid hands and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and to be honest, there was like this righteous anger inside of me she wasn't healed. And I remember just leaving that night broken because it's like, surely, Lord, this is the moment. Actually, have you ever seen my phone? There she is. Oh, now you can't see it. But I, I kind of took a photo of her, put it on my lock screen so that every single time I turn on my phone, her name is Rimsha, there she is. And it's like, Lord, you've spoken. Now, I need this audacious tenacity, this shameless audacity to keep on praying. What are you contending for? Have you just given up? Or are there things God has put inside of you? Words he's spoken to you, calling upon you. Something you know it's not. This, this marriage, this family, this finances, this job, this is not your will, Lord. I can see what your will is. Let your will be done, and I'm going to contend for it until I see breakthrough. Anyway, let me move on quickly. Oof, time's up. Number four, oh, base your prayers more on, not more on, base your prayers on God's goodness not your goodness or badness. In other words, I love the way it finishes. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? 
God answers prayers not because you good, but because he's good. Not because you bad, but because he's good. So as we're praying, where's your focus? Lord, I've been such a good Christian lately. Did you see how much I gave to the church last month? So now, Lord, please will you answer my prayer? That's a waste of prayer. It's not going to be your goodness that moves the hand of God. It's his goodness. I've shared that testimony Kate and I had when, when we first planted the church. God had given us this word of his gracious hand. It's his gracious hand upon us. Nehemiah went to the king with a shopping list, and, and we went to God with a shopping list. Lord, we, we need a, a place to live and a place to meet as church. We need some people and some equipment and some coffee and some all of these things. And it says, because the gracious hand of God was upon Nehemiah, the king granted all his requests. Friends, that's what makes prayer effective. Not appealing to our goodness or badness, but to his goodness. And let me land with the one that's challenged me the most. Number five, discovering how the Holy Spirit is the real answer to the right prayer. Discovering that the Holy Spirit is the real answer to the right prayer. See, this is what surprised me. It said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, it's interesting in the the version in Matthew, it says the same verse, but it says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? The, The Holy Spirit is the good gift to your prayer. Now, what I mean by this is, is sometimes we pray, we think it's stuff that we need. For example, we prayed for jobs just now. And sometimes we can find ourselves praying, Lord, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job, let the phone ring. Better prayer would be, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me, through me to get a job? Holy Spirit, do I need to work on my CV? Holy Spirit, are you teaching me to trust in your provision? Holy Spirit, would you drop names into my heart of people I could send my CV to? Holy Spirit, is there something in my life that's preventing me from getting a job? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The church was praying in the early, in early Acts, Acts chapter 4, because of persecution. They were being persecuted, persecuted, persecuted. How would we pray at prayer meeting? Lord, stop the persecution. Bind up the enemy. Bind that spirit of violence. Stop the persecution. How did they pray? Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The Holy Spirit was the answer to the right prayer. And this is how we're going to go deeper in prayer. So much of the stuff we're praying for is actually something the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. Holy Spirit, I'm praying for this broken relationship. Change them, Lord. Change them, Lord. Change them, Lord. Mm. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me? How do I connect with this person? Holy Spirit, what is it that you could do through me to be able to impact this person? Most, pretty much all of the prayers could actually be answered by the Holy Spirit in us and through us and not just something out there. Does that make sense? Deeper and deeper. Let me land there. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The dream is a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, aligned with his purpose, opening the sluice gates of forgiveness, a shameless audacity that just doesn't quit, a focus on God's goodness and not our badness, 
and realizing that the Holy Spirit is the answer to our prayers. God spoke a word over the church, double portion, double portion. We're trusting for double portion of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.